Welcome to our bonus Extended Hours episode with Leanne Murphy, recorded on Wadanjeti Country. As you know, if you've listened to her Visiting Hours episode, Leanne shared part of her birthing story. We wanted to give you the opportunity to hear her story in full if you chose to, and that's Extended Hours. I'd just like to thank Leanne for sharing so candidly and openly, obviously in a hope that somebody listening will recognise some of the things that she's saying in themselves and seek help. And just a reminder that Leanne shares some rather graphic detail as part of her birthing story. But it's an important part of the story when you consider her journey, her triumph and her message for all of us to be better self-advocates. Thanks, Leanne. The reason that I'm here today is I'll be talking about my birth trauma story, so my birth story. So 12 years ago when my daughter was born, I had a catastrophic fourth degree tear. So I was in a private hospital in Melbourne. Molly was born on the day that she was due. I had no obstetrician and no midwife in the room in a private hospital. Mm. I was in the hospital for 12 hours, so it wasn't a surprise. I was in the right place at the right time. And my husband and I were looking into each other's eyes, filled with panic. We knew something was wrong. I was screaming for help. Patty had banged on the emergency button and nobody came. And Molly actually coming out of me, flew out of me, we say flew out of me like Superman, but she actually when I tore open, she flew out the end of the bed and Patty caught her on the end of the bed and it actually pulled on my umbilical cord from the inside and Patty caught her head on the end of the bed and lifted her up and put her straight on me. And once she was actually on my chest, did the nurses and the emergency people, multiple uh, midwives, enter the room and that's kind of... The, the urgency of hitting the emergency button, we didn't have any support. So I actually so there was birthed. nobody else in the room? No one, just, just Paddy. Just yeah. And actually Paddy wanted to go and get help and I left fingernail marks in his arm, don't leave me! Like it was horrific. Yeah. But not only that, I had returned to the same hospital that I'd had my son. I had the same obstetrician that I had my son. I wanted to repeat what had been a pretty nice experience sure. yeah. and I loved my doctor and I loved the hospital and I was really happy and it was near to home, all of those things. So I wanted to replicate the same thing again. But actually what happened, and we only found this out in hindsight, I had an undiagnosed third degree tear with my son at his birth. So I had multiple red flags and, you know, for for listeners, I will explain like I had when I was, I tore during that birth, I actually had the stitching done. I thought everything was fine, but on day three of being in hospital, those stitches broke down and they weren't redone. And when I had them redone out of hospital and in the consulting suite, they also didn't hold. So I had two incidences where the stitches didn't hold and that should have been immediate red flag. "Mm, Let's do some more investigating. That didn't happen. I had air that was communicating, that's the doctor's word, communicating between front and back. So I had what felt like bubbles in my pants and that is the transfer of air from your back to your front. And also when you would stand up and maybe kneel down and then go from kneeling to standing up, you have air that actually sucks inside yourself. So as a woman, that doesn't normally happen. 
but it was happening because I had a hole between mm. front and back. Yeah. So they, they know now that it was a buttonhole tear, but I didn't know that at the time and nobody sent me off for testing and nobody sort of said, oh, you know, you've, you've got a few little things here that could be identified and should be addressed before, before you have you. another child and certainly before you have another vaginal birth. So I could have had a buttonhole tear and had a caesarean and potentially not gone on to have the fourth degree. So uh, it was like a cacophony of events. The third degree that, because it was undiagnosed, had a knock-on effect to me then having a fourth degree because I had had a subsequent vaginal delivery. But that catastrophic fourth degree tear was very mismanaged and in this particular private hospital, I was on the ward because in private you'd get your own room for five days. I would have two nurses a day and the matron, which is now called like nurse unit manager, the Nick, is that right? Nook, num, num. num. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and I would have my first nurse. Oh, there's a note here. I need to check your wound. Okay, check the wound. Oh, you've got a gaping wound. Yes, I do. So I was actually completely torn open. So my perineum didn't exist. Then the next nurse would start her shift. I've got a note here to check your wound. Oh, you've got a gaping wound here. Yes. What are they doing about that? Oh, I've been told that I'll have a repair done under general anaesthetic. Okay, great. And I was like, okay, great. Over those five days, 15 opportunities for someone to actually book me in for theatre and it didn't happen. So on day five, with my anatomy unrecognisable, I was discharged. I had a two-year-old and a newborn that I was breastfeeding sitting up on your pads that are filled with poo and blood, yep. horrific. And no mention of when is this actual surgery, this repair going to take place. And I didn't advocate for myself and I have blamed myself for that for too long. Mm. I've released that blame off myself now, but for a long time, oh, I should have said something, I should have advocated for myself, yep. I should have spoken up, I should have, you know, made a song and dance about it. And I didn't. Within two weeks of having the baby, my doctor, my obstetrician did call and said, I found someone to do the repair. You need to go and meet with him. I was like, oh, great. Okay. So, you know, kind of within the 14 days post, I didn't know that it should be done immediately. Mm. I was thinking 14 days. Okay, well. Seems reasonable. To me, it was reasonable. Yes. And I didn't know any better and I'm not a doctor, so I didn't know. So we did, you know, the four of us in the car, Patty, the two kids, and I went to the appointment and one second of he of him seeing me on his treatment table, he literally lifted up my buttock one second. It was like, this is not a job for a part-timer. He wouldn't do it. He said, but I'll find you someone, but you need to go off for further testing. So then another two weeks go by and I go to a colorectal specialist in Melbourne and I have an internal anal ultrasound. It's probably the worst 10 to 15 minutes of your life up until that point. And then you get a very detailed report that says this is what your internal anatomy is like. And he was so cross. What happened here? And he was he was screaming, very angry. What happened here? This is ridiculous. What you, you, this happened in Melbourne, here. I demand to know what doctor did this. What doctor left you in this state? 
this is abhorrent. How dare he have left you like this? And I was like, whoa, he's really upset and upset for me. And I wasn't upset for myself. Like I didn't understand the gravity of what these results meant for me. He knew, but I didn't. So when he said, do you understand, if you had not have had that repair, within five years you would be incontinent and have a permanent colostomy bag. How dare that doctor not have repaired that? What are you talking about? Mm. I've had a baby. Like, what? And he said, you will not find a doctor to do it. You will not find a surgeon. Nobody will operate on you to do a repair. You will only have a permanent colostomy bag. What? what are you talking about? Mm. I've had a baby. Why are you talking about a colostomy bag? I'm here to have a repair from my birth. Birth, And, you know, when people talk about like the rug being ripped from under you, that's when it happened. Mm. So we went back to the car. I remember vividly that we put the kids in the back seat and Patty and I were just at the boot and we were just holding each other and just in silence and just I was crying And he was holding me, excuse me, and I knew that our life would never be the same and it wasn't. So I actually did find a surgeon and it took me three surgeons to find someone that would actually try to fix me Mm. because, as they all said, I don't want a bad result on my name. I don't want a bad outcome to tarnish my books. And I was like, but I don't care about your books. I want an opportunity to live my life. Thankfully, I did find a surgeon and I love him still to this day. And he said, look, I don't give you any guarantees, but I'll try. Mm. Okay, if you're going to try it, I'll take those chances because I can't even find anyone that will do the surgery. Mm. So it was at the six-month mark. So let that sink in that I have had a birth and for six months my anatomy is unrecognisable. So for six months, I haven't left the house. I'm not taking the kids around a walk, around the block, going to the park. I don't do the shopping. I am squelching permanently. So I am not well. I'm doing my best to manage and I'm still breastfeeding. I don't know how I managed that, but I did. At the six-month mark to the 12-month mark, I had six months of surgeries and had six surgeries over those six months. And I was 50 days in and out of hospital. Paddy had to take that six months off. So it's the implosion of everything. Yeah, for sure. It's not just a birth trauma. Your whole existence implodes. Mm. Paddy's life imploded, the children's life imploded and my life imploded all because of this one day. The knock-on effect was just horrific. Yeah. So... I did actually have an ileostomy bag for four months and it was wonderful. Oh, my gosh, I can't tell you how freeing it was. We got to go to a coffee shop. I could take the kids to the park. We went to the pool. We went to the cinema. We could go to a like a play centre. It was like living again. It was just the most wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing. And, you know, people, oh, my God, you had a bag. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, yes, I had a bag. (laughs) It was so wonderful. Oh, that must have been terrible. No, 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 it wasn't terrible. It was absolutely liberating. Mm. And I am so thankful for that time because it gave me a taste of what it was like to be normal again because I wasn't normal and I wasn't living a normal life. The trouble came when my bag was reversed and my ileostomy was reversed, my stoma was reversed, and I had to learn to poo again. My anatomy was so different. My actual anus was the thickness of a pencil. 
So I had to get my poo out of a very, very narrow tube. So you have to have your poo soft enough that you can get it out of a tube, but not so soft that you are liquidy because you don't have any muscle strength to hold it in. So here I am back to nappies. So I'm actually in nappies with my two children. So the three of us are in nappies together and I'm 35 years old. My son is toilet trained before I am. It took five years to be continent and I still live with faecal incontinence. So I have a lifelong injury from my birth trauma. So I'm now 45 and I have learned to cope well with my, <laughs> with my existence mm. with this condition. I have this issue, yes, and it has taken up a lot of my life, yes, but I refuse to let it control my life in a way that makes my life not happy or worthy or that I don't pursue my dreams. Like I just, I have to have a life even if I'm incontinent. Yeah, yeah. And what, what advice, I guess, um, having some first-hand lived experience um, mm. of it as well, what would, would you give to, and obviously that's kind of what you're doing through your counselling, I guess, as well yeah. in, in terms of, you know, spreading the word, but in terms of, you know, self-advocacy, I suppose, for, for yeah. your mums or your, your expectant mums rather. Yes, um, it's a good point. And this is controversial, but my personal belief, and I have said this from the get-go, my personal belief is if you have a vaginal birth and you have any red flags, you should have an internal anal and vaginal ultrasound. So some people and across many communities think that it's too invasive and, you know, that's not, you know, mothers are natural born bearers of children and that's just an unnecessary intervention. Well, I don't agree with that. And I think that an internal ultrasound, if you have red flags, you must have those internal ultrasounds because it's the only way that you can see inside you. If you have a like a visual test, which is what they're saying, you know, maybe you might put a finger in and do a visual test, that is not going to show if you have an internal sphincter injury. Sure. That's not going to show a buttonhole tear. Yep. So my whole life would have changed if I, if that buttonhole had been um, recognised in time. Mm. And mm. I will shout that from the rooftops till the day I die. And it is controversial and I know that it is considered unnecessary intervention. Mm. But if you don't offer that as a part of the routine follow-up if you have red flags, mm. then <laughs> you're not offering them a full uh, service. Yeah, well, you're walking in blind effectively exactly. as well. You don't know exactly what's going to And just imagine it just progressively gets worse and worse and worse and then five years down the line they are incontinent and they're like, I wonder why. Mm. Oh, it turns out I had this muscle that was weakening and slackening over the last five years and now I can't do anything about it. What my advice would be is if you are having any symptoms, get a test immediately and act on that test immediately sure. because the younger you are, the better your outcomes. Sure. Don't If you're 40, don't wait till you're 50 to have a repair. If you're 40, wait till you're 40 and a half. I know, I sound like I'm on a soapbox, but <laughs> it hopefully, hopefully just one listener is like, you know what, I have had that bubble feeling that she's talking about. Mm, maybe I should go and get that test. If any of Leanne's story has brought up memories of past trauma or perhaps for you medically, the penny has dropped. 
we have a list of services you can reach out to in the episode description. If you'd like to find out a little more about Leanne, her story and the services that she can offer, check her out at www.blueheartscounseling.com.au. Thanks so much for staying back. Hope to see you again soon.